to another edition of the Parrot Podcast. This week I'm joined by Bertie. Hey, how's it going? 40. Evening, fellas. And PM. Yeah, hi, guys. Well, great to be back. Now, we'll jump straight into a review of the games. Unfortunately, Ham isn't here this week. He's still down at ANZ <laughs> uh, drinking he's looking, away. He's looking his for sorrows. his doubles ticket. He, he got a winning doubles ticket. He dropped under the seat. He's still looking for it. <laughs> so, dive right in, gents. Yeah. Oh. That's probably a fair way of starting it if, if that awkward pause. Yep. Oh. How much does it cost to win a game? Twenty-five grand. Oh, Twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. Man. I'll have a rant. I'll have a rant about them, the officials, right? <laughs> now, well, here we go. We didn't play great, but neither did the Bulldogs. They were pretty ordinary as well, especially in the handling. But fair income. The first Bulldogs try, the pass was over a meter forward, and the linesman stood in line with it and missed it altogether. Jennings. Now it's sent upstairs as a try. You tell me there was enough evidence from the 37 replays they showed to show that it definitely wasn't a try. It's got to be 100% certain that you can overturn it. They overturned it. And then George Jennings catches the ball with one foot in the in-goal area in the air and the other on the try line, which is in-goal, and it's a goal line dropout. It should be a 20-metre restart, a seven-tackle set. From that set, they score. And then the other glaring one there was, was also Josh Jackson. Bot. Another bomb that George Jennings defused or attempted to defuse that he didn't touch and it rolled into touch of yes. the dog. And Again. it was a, a Canterbury scrum. So And then Josh Jackson drops the ball cold in front of our posts. And because it was poor old Kenny Edwards standing next to him at marker, oh well Kenny must have done that, so we'll blow the penalty, will we? And Tip puts shits. it mate, fair dinkum. You know what? That's cost our season now. We're gonna it's like we hope hopelessly chance now to make the the finals. That if we had a one then we could have. We did enough to win that game, I'll, and then we got I'll chip polaxed. Your, I'll chip into your rant and say that if this was the 2017 team, that was the sort of game you'd expect us to overcome the bad officiating and win in spite of it. But given the hole that we've dug for ourselves and the you know the mental state and the psyche of the team, given that everything's gone wrong this year and the harder they try, the worse it gets. It was the sort of game where you sort of needed a little bit of love. Not even love, you just needed you know, a game called relatively close to down the middle. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, whether it was the dogs, you know, copping a fine and getting the, the benefit the next week, um, we, we got hosed a bit. And I know Hamish doesn't like um, this line of thought, and I can understand why, uh, because you want to take accountability on the result for your, um, on your own shoulders. But like I said, you know, you're, you're downtrodden, you know, the back's nearly broken, and then you cop that, which, you know, featured a, a few sort of game-defining calls. Yeah, I think BA's done pretty well to go on the press conference and not blow up. And I understand, like you said, he doesn't want to make excuses. If he makes excuses in the press conference, the players see that and think that they can make excuses as well. So 100% behind BA in that aspect. But there must be other channels we can go out behind the scenes to contact the, the, the referee's boss and say, hey, what's oh, the go here? You've cost us a game. Like, fair dinkum. You've cost our season. Yeah. But unfortunately, I don't think you get much um, positive feedback in the way of what um, happens in those official channels because Parramatta have been pretty active in that regard for a while, you know, ever since Brad Arthur's come to tenure as head coach. And unfortunately, we've, we've had, uh, I pointed this out, I don't know if I pointed this out on the podcast, but in one of my blogs, that since 2011, which, you know, supersedes Brad Arthur by a few years, the Eels have finished the season with negative penalty differentials every year and... Uh, barring two of those seasons, they've been either the worst or the second worst for overall penalty differentials across, you know, 24 regular season games. So there's a, whether, I mean, obviously something to do with the Parramatta themselves, but between the the purview of the officials with their tip sheets and almost that self-fulfilling prophecy and then Parramatta's own ill discipline, 
there's a, a systemic problem for Parramatta in this you know regard. We don't win penalty counts, and we don't win penalty accounts across the course of a season. And you know, it's it's a huge handicap to put on yourself. Let's see if if he came out and said, you know what, there were some questionable calls, and I will will be following them up with the referees. You know, at least us fans, you know, we can cop that. But it just seems like as if he's oblivious to it. Like you look no, at all he's the not. coaches. He's not coaches, because when you, I remember watching like, his presses last year. Uh, I think maybe it was the Melbourne qualifying final, or maybe it was a couple of weeks before. He he asked the journalists once or twice. You know, did you think that was the right call? And that was as much as a complaint as you're going to get out of Brad Arthur when it comes to the post-match presses. But the journalists were very much in agreement with him that you know the incorrect call was made, and Parramatta at the you know the back end of it, unfortunately. Like it's just look. I'm not saying the referees cost us the game, but like the dogs, they scored all their points off. Some dodgy decisions from the referees. Yeah, like it's bad enough where you know we're, I don't know this year. I reckon we're struggling. We're struggling. You know, we've only won two games, but like we just, we need everything to go our way to score or you know or to win a game. And then when you have stuff like well, let's be honest, the referees bailed them out with a couple of decisions, the forward pass, and then you see um the, Oops, the, yeah. the George Jennings. He should have caught that was on the line. So that's yep. like that's a twenty minute tap. That changes the game. Yet they go down, and they score, and then the Josh Jackson like. See, Mount Mount lost the ball in the first tackle. He placed it on Foran's foot. Yep. No penalty there. But yet, they do it in the last 10 minutes, and that seals the win for them. Like, it's just... And it's it's actually Klein. Like, it's, you know what? Like, I don't agree with Ricky Stewart, but he's a cheat. Well, the it's media... Ridiculous. You know what annoys me more, too, is that the week before, when it happened to Canterbury, the media were talking about that, that, not, that supposed knock-on from Azaka, and... The the, the oh, call that, at the end, one, yeah. yeah, and then that's then they go one. back to the Tigers game earlier in the year against the Broncos, where they were talking all about that penalty in Golden Point and how the referee stuffed up and everything. No one said anything about the calls in this game all week, not a thing. There's well, nothing in the press that, about it, that so there's no pressure on the NRL Robert's to fix it. Is a good one because that happened in this game. Moses and Bayer was running towards yeah. his goal line, trying to catch a bomb over his shoulder, and he pulled yeah. the ball towards his body. Correct. over his shoulder, which would be towards Parramatta's goal line, which by definition of the, the Asako knockback last week is a knock-on because you've, you know, the, the ball, the direction travel, the, the direction, the ball travels off your hands and it was play on. So, yeah, I, I hate to put so much of a spotlight on it, but it was a terrible game by the officials, as bad yeah. as Parramatta played in res- like yeah. respective amounts. So both well, the That first try pretty awful. that the Bulldogs scored, that deserved to be a try anyway. Jennings rushed in and left his winger to mark three players, and they deserve to score that try, the Bulldogs, because of our defensive breakdown. But the pass was forward. But whether you deserve the try or not, the pass is forward. You've got to call it. And the linesman even stood there and was watching it. And he, he sort of paused for a second. Complaining. You know, like, yeah, the pl- yeah, three players were pointing it and saying, it's forward, oh, it's Mitch, forward. Mitch Moses immediately turned to the touch judge and sprayed him because he knew that was forwards. Yeah, and, and you know, maybe that's probably why the touch judge said, I'll stuff you. If you're going to spray me, I'll give it a try then just to spite you. Who knows? I don't know how it works. It's like it's a conspiracy against us. Get your tin foil hats out so they can't as read for our the minds. Game itself, there there were some positives in there. I know it was a really shit result for Parramatta fans and the team, but it was good to see Bev, you know, well and truly back. He is just bottled lightning on that left edge, uh, and unfortunately he couldn't get an early double, which would have put us well and truly in control when Guffo's last pass on that little left edge movement um, went astray. But uh, he's looking real sharp on that left edge now, and he's doing a bit of work in the ruck as well. Uh, just trying to think who else stood out. Tucker uh, was great. Tucker, yeah. yeah, Tucker was excellent. Um, Birdie, good point. Tepo, yeah, Tepo it's going to be an interesting good. conundrum for Parramatta. 
Tepo? Tepo was good until he went off for the HIA. Pe- I thought up, up, until, yeah, yeah. up until that first HIA well, went off, I think he was great. Tep's been good all year, actually. Just the HIAs have been what mm. the legitimate HIAs for Tepo. Um, we'll get to that later, I'm sure, Hamish. But um, Tepo's been very good when he's been healthy this year. But Tackle was really, really, really good. And it'll be interesting what we do if next week Haynes on schedule on his return because he played wing in his last outing and, and looked pretty good in that um, first quarter against the Tigers. But George Jennings has been, I wouldn't say phenomenal, but he's been very good. And Bev's obviously fantastic on the other flank. Uh, and Tack has done well at center. So as much as our team struggled, oddly, our backline in, in sort of parts has been quite good when we've had any sort of fluency in attack. So I'm not sure how you, you do a fat conundrum. It's just um, a push of passes. Penny Trepo. Penny, Penny Trepo was a name I wanted to give a shout out for. Uh, because he was quite good, I thought, on Friday night. And I know he was one of the players that was very emotionally invested in the um, loss. Uh, I think he, he felt he let the, the fans down as much as anyone else you know, in that result. And Baz played a very good game. Uh, aside from that, uh, unfortunately, our halves didn't take control of the game. I think that's a fair no. criticism. Kicking the second was, half was there to be. Yep, the second half was there to be controlled and owned. Um, I think we mentioned on the Discord that you know, if one of them steps up, we run away with this game. Yeah, and unfortunately, neither Norman nor Moses could do that. Well, what about uh, like these midfield said, bombs? Like, it gets to the fifth tackle, yeah. and Moses puts up a midfield and bomb that comes down between the twenty and the yeah. thirty. You're close enough to put a kick into We're the corner kicking. and make him run it out. Well, what's yeah. it go there? We're not kicking for territory. Exactly. We're not kicking for territory, and I, I don't know if that's a breakdown in the game plan because uh, in 2016 and 2017 we had a very, very um, obvious game plan to work the corners, turn teams around, and chase hard. And I, I, I seriously doubt that Brad Arthur and the Brains Trust have changed that and said, you know what's going to be good? Midfield bombs. That's going to win us games. So there's obviously some sort of disconnect there at the moment. It's really unfortunate because when you've got a, a wounded, undersized forward pack and you're struggling to you know, necessarily dominate field position when it comes to just rolling through the middle in your sets, you need to be turning the opposition packs around. Yep. And we're just not doing that. Yeah, well, Moses can do it. He did it at the end, back oh. in the last season. He's kicked yeah, in the yeah. corner. That, that's, he got I mean, close to where we were. Corey, Corey, Norman, Corey Norman beat St. George last year on the back of his his kicking game. The second time he played him, I think it was. Yeah, kicking uh, to death. When um, yeah. Bev created a try by um, shooting up our line and making a, a turnover. Uh, the, the the two halves are showing that they can kick really well. You know, Corey Norman's one of the best exponents of short kicking for repeat, lines, uh, repeat line dropout sorry, in the NRL. And yet... For whatever reason, our halves, I don't know if they're not on the same page or if they're, you know, they're sort of looking at each other saying, are you going to take control of the game or not? You know, because we've sort of played with that dual dominant playmaker set. Um, for whatever reason, we just haven't got any sync, any any timing out of our two, you know, primary playmakers. The ball handling is poor again. Yeah, trying to push these silly that's, that's offloads when you're inside your own half. I mean, they have it a couple of times in the second half. You get in a good field position. And then they try and push a... a a miracle pass that's never going to go to hand. And then Kenny threw one out the back that was never going to go backwards. Oh, it was always geez. going forward. I mean, how frustrating, that frustrating is that to see that when yeah. you watch it on telly? It's so frustrating. Yeah, said, that was such a backbreaker. I said after the game that, you know, maybe it's time to move Kenny on. And this was before his off-field issues. It was like on-field. He does – I don't think he's aware of the situation on the field. Like, see, he doesn't have the game sense, he, you know. Like, he does and he doesn't, Bertie, because he does really crazy stuff like that. But simultaneously, he is one of the most aware ball hawks when it comes to one-on-one strips in the entire NRL. He yeah. he has affected two or three in the last two weeks. He is so aware of when that second tackle drops off and he can go for the ball, and yet he does something like that where he you know throws a ridiculous offload after a big line break. 
and you know just squanders a huge chance to score or put pressure on. So once again, a lot of this is a function of a team trying too hard to rectify its faults. You can see that the effort's there. At least I think the effort's there. Um, the the defense has increased, or the effort and aptitude aptitude and defense has increased week after week since we started winning um, against Manly. And you know we had sort of the odd blemish here and there, but the the dogs really struggled to cross our line legitimately. Um, the the first try was being a forward pass, and the second try was a, a try, but it came off a a, a a repeat set that shouldn't have been. But yeah, it's so frustrating to try and pin down the why of why we're knocking on and why we're not completing sets because we know that's the fundamental issue here is that we're completing at barely over forty. We're completing at like sort of seventy percent or, you know, give or take a few percent. And then, you know, we're losing the possession battle by roughly 40 to 60%. I mean, and, and that's something that's BA... Giving yourself a chance to... Well, BA arcs on about yeah. that all the time. Completion rates, completion yeah. rates. You've got to be 80% exactly. plus. And it's, it's a cool we go out there every week and we're lucky to get to 75% on a good week. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's such a core part of our identity is, you know, playing that strong fundamental football to then lay on the razzle-dazzle because... BA is quite happy for the team to attack if he sees the op- if they see the opportunity there, but you got to earn that. It's been such a breakdown in those core issues for the team, and everyone knows that they're, they're the problem, but for whatever reason, we can't f- fix them. They've got to earn that right to get to do that. The, the go forward is improving, and I I will say too that we said earlier a lot of us had this criticism earlier in the season that we weren't playing like a team. We seem to be playing more as a team now, and the communication's a little bit better. That's showing in our better defence, but still, it's like. Like you said, one of the halves has to stand up and say, I'm taking control of this game. I'm going to kick to the corners. You blokes are going to chase it, and we're going to pin them down there and make them kick from inside their own 30 or 40. And they're not doing that. Yeah, I think, like you said, PM, whatever you can put the finger on where, where the game's breaking down for us, I think the the solution will be one of Norman or Moses has to stand up and take ownership of his team. That That is where it starts and where it begins, I think. Is, well, who has yes, to decide that? Some errors outside of that. You know, you were having forwards drop the ball. Or I know Manu threw a silly pass at one point um, when we got a scrum um, 30 metres out of our line yep. in the uh, first half. Miracle. But it was a miracle pass. One of Moses. It was. It was, yeah. absolutely. Then they come off. We just need one of eight out of ten, Moses. Yeah. Two out of ten. Yeah, well, if it comes 20%. off, there's a huge line break to be had. But Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they've got to come off. And like need, 20% of the time yeah. they come off. That's right. And that's that whole, that comes back to that sort of theme of you're allowed to take shots, but you've got to first earn the right to take the shot. And that's what we did so well in 2016 and 2017 was we were playing through the middle real tough, you know, we we're aiming up, working in numbers as a pack. And then we were allowed to take our shots when they presented themselves and they didn't always come off, but we scored more long range tries than anyone, I believe, across that two year period. And part of that wasn't due uh, to Semi's, you know, freakish nature, but we also unleashed Bevan quite a bit through that same period. But so, do you think yeah. that it's BA's responsibility to go to the halves and say, right, I want you to be the dominant playmaker and run the show and you listen to him, but if you see something that's happening on your side, then you can overrule him? Or do the players need to get together, the two halves, and say, right, this is how we're going to play? Do you think it's BA should I think, push I think that? It goes, it goes both ways. Uh, it's hard to say. You, you, you want to expe- want, you'd expect that the coach lays down the game plan and then there is a little bit of latitude given to Norman and Moses to go from the script in regards to who you're playing on a week-by-week basis and if there's certain um, matchups you want to exploit. Just the fact that oh, this is so hard because as an outsider looking in, you just don't have the facts and you don't know enough information to make a informed call on this. But given that 
given that the game plan worked in 2016, it worked in 2017, and yes, we were slow to adapt to the new ruck interpretations to begin this year, but when we did respect the football, we've shown that we can win games against Manly and against Wests. I, I'd say that the game plan still works, which is you know reflective on the coach, but you'd have to imagine that if it keeps breaking down, it's probably more on the players than it is the coach, but the caveat to that is that you don't go 0-6 across the first six weeks, and you don't go 2-8 and in the first 10, 10 weeks and not have everyone be culpable in the blame for this. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure, PM. That's a good question. And a smarter rugby league brand than I would be able to tell you what the division of responsibility is between the coach and the two main playmakers. Are. It's frustrating. Like, you know, you look at – I said this earlier. Like, in the NFL, NBA – you know, if you AFL, if your team comes last, at least you can look forward. There's a to tangible reward. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the only positive with playing rugby league is you're getting more desperate to change your squad. So you you're going out and you're buying overs. You're paying overs for players. So like, it's just I don't I don't I'm, I don't know what what is it can the it can hurt your salary there. cap. Like, it can hurt your salary cap for the next couple of years then because you really need to target an area you need to fix. So for us, it's a, a decent big, solid front-end prop. And we'll, we may have to pay overs to get him so someone else doesn't get him just because we need that. And that can hurt your salary cap, maybe not next year, but maybe two, three years down the track. Where We don't have the, the luxury of a draft in, in, our, in the NRL, which is probably something that should be looked at. I know it's got squashed in the past through legal proceedings or whatever, but I think that is the problem here, that the teams down the bottom aren't getting that advantage the next couple of years to try and get themselves back up by getting the first-round pick in the draft or something. Instead, they're going to have to pay overs to get someone there to improve their squad. Well, this is an interesting line of thought, and this is something I was considering about blogging in the off-season, which you could argue is probably close for the Parramatta Reels at this stage. But um, if you're not going to have an, a draft sort of NFL, AFL, NBA style, one thing I'd look, like the NRL to consider is the NFL style of rolling cap which means that you don't have to commit all your resources to one year. And when you're shit, you know, which Newcastle were for three years, which Parramatta were for four or five years, you can spend less up to a certain threshold, roll it into the next year, which allows you to make a marquee acquisition without selling, you know, the house. It lets you recruit someone that's going to change the culture, change the play style of the club, but not, you know, cost you everything and the balance of your cap. And um, the, I think the end, Hamish, but let me, sorry, let me check this. I think that, Across a four-year period in the NFL, you have to spend 95% of what would have been that four-year cap allocation. So with the NRL, you're obviously looking at much less than what the NFL has. But if you're not spending you know, five or $600,000 a year, after two or three years, that lets you sign a couple of big players and then try and change the club. So that that's something I would like to see, but I don't know if the NRL would ever consider adapting it or adopting it. Yeah, it's a foregone like conclusion as far as not getting it. The rolling cap, I think, is something that's far more workable. Uh, but that would require the clubs, the RLPA, the NRL, uh, God knows who else, to come together um, and plot out the implications of that. It was close to uh, Alvaro passed the HIA, and and Scott is seemingly fit despite you know losing all control of his shoulder. But we have like eight, I think eight top thirty players in the um, injury ward, and you know you look at the team list and it's reflected, isn't it? And you know we've got a couple of development guys this week, which we'll touch on later, but. We're bare bones, and it's not an excuse, but it is a reason as to why we're struggling. Part, it's like a partial reason. You know, we haven't been able to put. Oh, I saw an interesting stat, 
Hang on, give me give me two secs on our Twitter no one, account. No Poop. one's mentioning it. Like no one's mentioning. Like again, we're going to go back. We've had some calls go against us. We've had some injuries. We've had you no. Know, like it's just you look at Penrith. They always talk about the injuries. They talk about Manly's injuries. Like what about and all they talk about us is we're playing bad. But like we've got, we haven't had a settled seventeen since what round one. Not even like not even then. Like it's just the only thing that's been solid is our halves. That's it. The rest of it, we've had a different fullback. You know, we've had French, we've had Gufferson, we've had uh, Smith. You know, we've had different wingers, we've had different centers. You know, that, it's just... this is the interesting stat that ties into what you guys are saying. Guess of our top thirty, how many players have played in every game this year? Just Moses and Norman. A little bit more than that. It's five players. Five five of our top thirty have played. Yeah, so they're, they're, they're those ones there. I'm just trying to think who the other one would be. Moses, Norman, uh, Alvaro, Manu. Jenko. And Jenko. It'll be, that's right, isn't it? That, that, that'd be the five. Five of our top 30 have played 10 games this year. That is an awful, you know, awful sequence of continuity for a team that is struggling for continuity on the field. So you're not getting the same 13 players in the starting roles. You're not getting the same four interchange players, you know, and... Yes, there should be combinations built into the team, you know, for the experiences of 2016 and 2017, but it does hurt your ability to, you know, play with the man next to you to play to the game plan. And yeah, it's just, it's just another small reason as to why we're struggling. It's not, you know, the, the silver bullet answer and it's not the main reason. You know, there's other issues there that are, you know, more psychological and aptitude and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, it, it's one of those contributing factors. So coming into the season now, um, our aim was top four. Of course, now we're seeing a two and eight. Um, so for you, gents, what, what do you think our um, goal is now? Is it still to make the finals or to fill up the finish? You know, just not getting the spoon. I think you look at it this way in a university sense. Your pass mark is making the final still. You can get a pass concede if you get close and, you know, you show that you're in the mix for 2019 because you still want to be showing potential recruits that this is a, a viable, you know, career destination, which, you know, we would have thought we'd shown in 2016 and 2017, only to undo it this year. But, you know, you want to carry momentum into next year, wherever you make the finals or not. And you need to, you need to know which juniors that you can use this year, are the guys that will be there for next year to be, you know, not core players, but part of that top 30. So, you're looking at your Murata Neocores and your Jamin Salmons and your Ray Stones and um, a couple other guys, depending on you know dispensation you get from the NRL. So for me, finals is still your pass mark. I know it's aiming high, but you can get a pass concede if you 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 know you're in the hunt and you're playing good football, but still miss out. Uh, and unfortunately, you don't want to talk about the fouls, the failing grades. But if you keep playing the way you're playing, that's going to be a, a strong fail grade right there. You know, I think. Ideally, okay, I don't think we can make the finals, but I reckon the goal is to win all our home games, you know, just to get back, you know, to make it hard for oppositions to win at our home game, even though it's ANZ and we've got a game in Darwin or wherever we are. But just to win all our games at home, you know, our toughest game at home will probably be what the... Um, who would it be? Uh, I'm to scratch it. Cowboys, um, Cowboys at Townsville, probably. Or, or Roosters, actually, to be honest. Townsville, oh, Cowboys, Cowboys is a... At- Oh, yeah, Darwin. Cowboys. But other than that, we've got, we have to go to Melbourne. We have to go to Brisbane. We have to go to North Queensland. Like, those games, if we lose them, okay. But as long as we win our home games, I'll be happy with that, you know? 
Yeah, well, I think I'd be happy with finishing as high as 12th, considering where we are now. But I think you're delusional if you think we can make the finals from where we are, seeing what we've done and seeing the teams ahead of us and how they're going. I think if we can finish 12th, I reckon that's a pretty good effort from where we are. We just So we started the season late and got to you know, bring some young guys in, like get some young guys blooded for next season. I think it's, it's all you can do, really, and start ju- judging for next season. I, I can't see... Us making, you know, finishing eighth or higher with the start of the season we've had, we've got to be realistic about it. We're not playing great footy. The confidence is down. We, we're probably only allowed to lose three more games, four at the most, to sneak into the eight. And four and against is horrible. Now, I, I think 12 at the most. Well, that's some pretty somber thoughts after our um, pre-season expectations. But uh, let's move right on to... The ISP, which saw Wenty coming away 36 victors over the Wyong Roos. Try scorers seven with a hat trick. Rogers, Davis, and Hoffman picking up one each, and five from six conversions. And great things from Salmon repeating his try scoring ways. I think he's picked up a try in just about every game he's had since coming back from his neck injury. Yeah, he's had a phenomenal strike rate since he came back from that neck injury. Uh, yeah, real, real talented kid. Uh, I think he'll draw comparisons to Jack Bird, the good kind, not the McDonald's kind, um, in the coming you know, <laughs> season or so. He's a he's a kid that can play legit. He can play fullback, centers, halves, back row. Just one of those guys that it's going to be hard to nail down a position for him. Probably either you play him as a classical five eight or a center. I think is probably where he'll end up. And you know that sort of old school standoff. You know, runs the ball, plays to a to a dominant half as his sidekick, but, you know, as damaging as a ball runner and an off sort of kicking option. Uh, he is a really handy footballer. Uh, and, you know, he's all he's done is just, like I said, score tries and play well. And he, he's not even close to his best at the moment because, he, you know, he missed the contact part of the preseason. So he's going to work his way into 2017, 2018. God. And, I, you know, play a lot of ISB. I said this to Ham. Like, physically, he could play, he could probably play first grade right now. He is... For a 19-year-old, he looks like yeah, first grade. good build. And then, like, I can't believe for a 19-year-old he's, you know, that how big. Like, he's not, like, huge, but, like, for a player no. 19-year-old, he's still growing. Like, so, um, happy. But obviously, I don't, I don't think, I think it's a mistake if he ever plays this year. Unless Moses goes down, knock on wood, or any of them the way down, The way things like, are going for injuries, mate. <laughs> like, there's yeah, no, no, no point, you know, rushing him. And people, like, you know, and you see the media say, oh, Brad Arthur's got, like, a headache or... Like he's got players, um, might be fearing that Simmons, there's no chance Simmons will play. You know, let's just be realistic. Uh, you know? I wouldn't write that off right now. If he keeps playing the way he did in the weekend, and he wasn't perfect in the weekend, he missed a tackle in the lead up to a try. But if he plays at such a high standard that he's dominating men in the ISP, I'd say if the season's well and truly gone in the NRL, you look at the back sort of four to six games if you can get dispensation from the NRL, and he and he's good enough. You probably look to play him there, maybe, and you know, get him ready for twenty um, 2019. But as it stands, I agree with you, Bertie, that the the media is going to you know push and create pressure. I know that Buzz Rothfield's a huge fan of Salmon and had him for Dalian Rookie of the Year, and obviously he's going to start pushing his, his case for him to be playing first grade. But even with our, our struggles, you don't want to rush him in the first grade into a bad situation. Um, unlike someone like Murata Niakore, who's paid his dues and is you know had two seasons in the ISP for Parramatta and, and is ready to go, regardless of how the team's travelling, 
Jame and someone you want to bring along quite carefully, along with a couple of other kids that are there at the moment in Oregon, Kafusi, Reed Marnie, and then there's a whole stack of kids below that. Um, you know, you look at Dylan Brown, Ethan Parry, um, you know, could list off half a dozen kids there. You just got to look so, after him carefully. So before his neck injury, he played SG ball, right? Yeah. Or did he play a bit of NYC? He played Sharks. SG ball because he was turning 18 that year that he hurt his neck. He was playing so Australian pra- schoolboys. So practically this is the first time he's come up against bigger body, you know, um, seasoned players pretty much. Yeah, yeah he, he played He played the week before um, in our loss against the Dogs, which was a top four team that we barely lost to. So yeah. he's obviously played He played some quality and um, he, he held himself pretty pretty good from what I gather in that game. Uh, he, he is a phenomenal player. He was almost best on field in a losing team in the 2017 SG Ball Final. We were cruising to a pretty easy victory in the first half. We just you know ran right over him. And he dragged them back into that game, kicking and screaming. So he, he was a real huge fawn on our side in 2017. And even before that, um, I've, I've mentioned it before in the podcast, but the Eels and Sharks have almost been faded rivals in the district reps in recent years. And he's always been, you know, one of our big sort of individual, put him on the watch list players um, on the tip sheet. And yeah, to have him in our, in our colours now is pretty handy. I'm really looking forward to what he can do for the rest of the year in the Intrust Super Premiership. Reminds me of uh, when Loco was at SG Ball and then he got the gig at NYC and then everyone's like, oh, I can't wait for him to play first grade. You know, he, I reckon he was a bit rushed. Yeah, we we, grade, we yeah. completely mishandled the Jacob Loco situation. I think yeah. he was not properly developed as a footballer. Uh, like you said, he was playing SG Ball, then he was playing NYC, and then he was playing first grade all too quickly and we didn't develop the aspects of his game that he needed to work on in order to give himself a real shot at becoming a you know the star that he could otherwise be. And unfortunately, that goes down as one of the biggest misses in that dark era of um, football for Parramatta because uh, he was physically as gifted as anyone you ever see coming through, just dominant. And yeah, uh, Salmon is the completely opposite side of that. He's nowhere near as physically gifted as Loco, but he's far more polished as a footballer. So yeah. I think we'll do the right thing by him. And like I said, you let him play out you know, the ISP, it's no, no point for him playing flag now unless... He picks up some sort of niggle that would, you know, be exacerbated by playing against the bigger bodies. He's good enough to play ISP. It's, you know, the best thing for his game. You play him out there, and if he's good enough after, you know, two more months of playing ISP and the opportunity presents itself in first grade, you then look at maybe a late-season debut, but I wouldn't be rushing it. And um, on to the women's uh, premiership. Another not-so-great result with uh, Wenty 0 and Country Rugby League. Newcastle 76. Um, that was on the back of 16 tries and only give, give us six. Yeah, 96 now. Uh, we, we were hoping this was the game that they could get um get off the duck egg, wasn't it? That they could break the drought. That's ouch. Oh well, one one step at a time. I know it's so cliche and we've said it so many times, but it's going to be painful for these girls, and you just got to. Keep chipping away. The fundamentals, you know, you you take that beating and you get better for it. And it sucks that they lost that badly to a team that on the ladder is that close to them. But, you know, next year, that's that's what you got to be aiming for. You get a win maybe this year, but you got to keep working hard for next year. And then moving on to Ron Massey Cup, which saw Mounties for 20-28. Try scorers Jack Morris, Bo Henry... Robert, Gamage, and Gaffer. So, Bo Henry, a sneaky chance to move up to, to first grade. 
the darkest timeline. I wonder what what the story by him not, behind him not playing for Wenty in the um, ISP. Maybe either it's a contract thing or yeah, Jamin Salmon's killing it, and Arana Tomato's doing a pretty decent job too. So yeah, I mean credit to Wenty. I know I absolutely you know flamed them on the podcast about a, a month and a bit ago, and they've since then they've won every game barring a game against the Dogs that they unfortunately squandered a ten point lead. But they played three top four teams in that in that bracket, and they only lost one of those games to a top four team. And now, outrageously, they're one win away from first place, despite having a, a differential that's like negative forty or something. So they've, they've when they've lost, they've lost badly. But when they've won enough to put them right in the thick of the um the finals hunt the season, Birdie, but uh, your friend Jack Morris has made a return um, and a try scorer. Yeah, I, I was talking before the podcast, you know, he's going to be the next Murata, Murata 2.0. <laughs> I'm <mean>, cheering for him. <laughs> Murata, oh yeah, Murata's so old, you know, it's all it's mainstream, you know, you don't want to be like, you know, you want to be like uh, underground, you know, sort of. I thought you would have been on the Salmon train, that's what I said last week after he scored Hashtag, that hat-trick. Murata's old news, salmon. baby. And then um, in oh. the Shield, 30 to Moorbank. Uh, running over the top of Wenty, 28. I think the halftime score was more bank up, 16 to 4. So a bit of a fight back, but not enough. You, you guys ever been the Moorbank? You ever been the Moorbank? There's a huge industrial complex they're building there. It's next to the um, Fort Holdsworth Barracks, or Holdsworth Barracks, wherever it is. I say that because I've got a ton of catering deliveries out there. I'm going there tomorrow and Thursday. So there's your little bit of um, 4020 trivia. News. Um, first item on the agenda is, of course, the Kenny Edwards being stood down. Um, he faced court on Tuesday, apparently charged with driving without a license. Um, so he's stood down for the moment until that's all sorted out, and it could be the end of Kenny at our club. On the weight of his um, past indiscretions, I dare say, because most players are afforded the assumption of innocence. Now, Hamish, I was gonna, I was going to say, if you work with me here. To try and understand the rationale of Kenny here to not tell the club until Friday, when would he have gotten his summons for the court? Um, well, before Friday, um, roughly, probably about three or four weeks ago. So he, it, it wasn't like he got he got the summons last week and it was like, oh, I better tell the club. He got the, he would have had the summons before that. Okay, so that's not a not a great look for him, is it? Yeah, that would be why he's being stood down. That because. Yeah, they know the protocols if something plays up what they've got to do. And to leave it that long to tell anybody, that is the reason. And, and his past record doesn't help, but I understand why the club's done it and totally agree with it. That was, if I recall correctly, that was one of the, the biggest issues with the Penny Terepo uh, suspension last year was when he was in New Zealand and he crashed a car under the influence. He didn't tell the club. And that was one of the, the big factors for He was an absolute queen skin, but he got a three-week suspension uh, because he didn't tell the club. So this does not reflect well for Kenny. And uh, my gut feeling is, and especially given the club's initial response, is that this is probably the end of the line for him. If I was Kenny, I'd, I'd be scared. Like anything bad, like morally, like, you know, that was bad, I'd tell the club in an instant. I'd be calling up every week, you know. I'd be like, BA, I did this. BA, I didn't pay for my loaf of bread at shops. BA, I did this. You know, I'd be scared to do anything, you know. Especially how many chances he's had, like... Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think he and probably thinks he'll u- never get sacked. Ultimately, unfortunately, he's let himself down and he's let his team down. 
And, you know, this is a season where you're meant to be going into the trenches with everyone. And I love Kenny as a player. I think he's one of the few character players in the game. You know, the guy that you love to have in your team, but you hate to see in the opposition. And he's done some great things on the field for us, but this might be one discretion too many. And the saddest part is that this is, I know it's not a good look to be driving either unlicensed or on a suspended license, but, you know, in the big scheme of things, it is an absolute nothing, a nothing, you know, mess up. And yet this is where his, you know, career at Parramatta might very well get the death knell on a traffic infringement. Yeah, he, he's he is sensational. Uh, he's like you talk about Parramatta being behind the eight ball with the how the games played out in 2018. But geez, Kenny's been fantastic at that. You know, drop, the two on one drop off to create the one on one strip, and it's stuff like that's going to make you miss him so much if he does end up getting the flick. And like I said, over a traffic infringement, he's going to throw guess, away a career over a traffic infringement. They just it, it's so sad. I guess he didn't tell on club because if you saw, if you noticed last week he um. He did a video about his indigenous heritage, so the club was promoting that. So it would have looked it would have looked bad or not ideal for him to promote, to have a video about how he's so proud of his heritage, and then for him to get you know tell the club and get suspended. You understand? Like that could have been it. Oh yeah, there's there's, there's gears of in gears for sure, Bertie. Just yeah, like like I said, for for a guy like Kenny who has so much potential and and rebuilt his career from ashes at Parramatta, to have it potentially come to an end like this you know this is the very definition of going out with a whimper you know a traffic infringement I, I know I keep saying it but jeez he's got some talent that's no doubt about it he's got talent and I spoke to a, a player manager today and I said it looks like Kenny's going to get the sack from Parramatta I said if, if he's looking for a new manager would you take him or is he too much work he said Kenny oh absolutely I'd, I'd love to take him he says he's got so much talent he'd get a contract anywhere anywhere so well, that, he's got the, the talent. follow-up you know? to this, if he does indeed get the flick, is where he does end up. Because who who would be buyers? He, he's had ties of Manly in the past, and they've evidently got plenty of cap space left. Um, I'm sure Gold the Roosters Coast? always have does cap he space. Have family up there? His kids stay up there? Yes, so. he does. He does have his family up there. So Gold Coast are looking to shore up their forward pack as well. That's can interesting, you, my birdie. Can you imagine Wayne Bennett taking him under his wing and fixing him? You know, like just what he did with Matt Lodge and then like... You know, just it'd be frustrating, but what can... nah. um, so all's not over. It's still um, waiting for the outcome of the case. Um, so it'll probably be adjourned for a period of one to two months. Plus, the Eels have to do their internal investigation. Um, but at the end of the day, um, I really like Kenny Woods at our club. Uh, my personal thoughts are that off-field indiscretions don't matter. Um, you look at the NFL and, you know, their stance. I think it's mandatory six weeks domestic violence, mandatory four weeks for peps. So um, I think you just need to get the best players you can, whether or not they're um, offending off the field. Yeah, for, for, for yeah. performance-enhancing drugs, yeah. It's pretty – and they've got a they've got a very loose stance on, on drugs in general compared to the uh, WADA uh, branch of uh, doping and, and sort of um, testing, which Australia subscribed to under ASADA. The um, NFL is not a recognised no. competition by WADA. They're not aligned at all to any of that. And it's, yeah, and I suppose they've got their own ideas on how the players supplement themselves and how they get to the, that level. But, yeah, it's... it's there's yeah, there's of, a very yeah. interesting moral debate to be had about that sort of performance enhancing as in regards to if everyone's using it, is it still cheating? And then if it's the best thing for player recovery in a very brutal sport... 
you know, what, what's your stance on it there? If it, you know, you look at the sort of human growth hormones and all that sort of stuff and the, the benefits it brings to recovery, you know, it's an interesting debate, you know, it's not black and white and yeah, but that's for a different podcast. Yeah. Back to Kenny. Oh, speaking about the, uh, the WADA and Asada, like my wife does amateur bodybuilding and she's got to make sure that nothing she's taken is on the ban list because they may get tested. It's a random test at the event. And she's only, that's only the amateur level. That's how, that's how strict we are in this country. And that yet some other countries, some of their sports don't even align themselves with that. So it's just, it's just, it's, it's a funny look, isn't it? Overall. Just one last thing on Kenny. Um, he, he is from a troubled background. Um, obviously he witnessed his own mother commit suicide in front of him. Um, also domestic violence related in regards to his father. So um, he does have a lot of issues. The club's tried to to help him deal with that um, best they can, but unfortunately sometimes it doesn't all come together. Um, but I think we as a fan base really need to humanise these players and sort of understand that whilst um, they need to go out there and play football, there, there's definitely an yeah, off-field aspect to it. Hamish, thanks for that, mate. Um, the next item on the agenda is, of course, the uh, comments from uh, both Voss in Telecast and then Kent um, later in um, an opinion piece regarding the head knocks sustained by Tepai Maroa. Uh, Tepai with a history of head knocks. Um, Kent and Voss were both very critical and of the club doctors. Now, it's, there's no dispute that clubs are um, rotting the HIA system, but in Tepai's case, he's had five head knocks in eight games. He's had two weeks off on the um, referral of a doctor, plus one week was when um, BA stepped in and said, I don't want you in the team this week just to get yourself better. So I think both of them really need to tread carefully when they're looking at the play. Um, to, to that They're not doctors. They can't make that judgment whether or not he has sustained a concussion. i got a, I got a bit I want to say in this too. And you touched on some of it, Hamish, but it's CTE, chronic traumatic encephalophagus, encephalitis, something like that. Always, it's a mouthful. Encephalitis. It's one of the most serious threats facing any sort of contact sport. And like you said, I don't doubt that there are teams. Every team is gaming the HIA system. You know, the, the NRL is reducing interchanges. It's trying to take time off the clock here and there, and teams are trying to find ways to fight against that. And HIA is absolutely one of the ways that some teams, some once again, some teams, every team. Is, is manipulating as you know as they try and keep up the speed of the game. Tepai Maroa, like someone like Sione Matautia, is you know two of the game's best young players that have got a very serious issue of concussions. Um, it's you know easy to forget, but he was the best player on the park against Melbourne in the first twenty minutes in the Week One finals last year. He was unstoppable; they couldn't touch him. He got a head knock at twenty minutes thereabouts, missed the rest of that game. Not only did he miss that game, he missed our sudden death final against North Queensland the following week, all due to concussion. This week, he you know he comes back from his two-week hiatus due to concussion, plays for us on the right edge, and is one of the few players in our team that is an 80-minute player. We don't interchange Tepai Maroa if we don't have to. And, you know, he cops a head knock, and all of a sudden, Andrew Voss is saying, well, they must be cheating. You know, that, like you said, that is not this not only disrespectful, it is a dangerous line of thought to go down because if you start saying well that's not a concussion they're cheating the system and the kids start saying well maybe i shouldn't be coming off the con- a concussion test i'll be okay 
you know, we're not even talking about, you know, 10, 15 years down the track now. They're getting CTE testing on live patients close to being finalized now. It's still a ways off, but they'll be able to test for the damage that concussion can do. And do you want to be one of those people that contributed to this problem? Because it's going to be a huge, huge legal matter for the NRL at some point in the future and sooner rather than later. It's really disappointing that um, Voss would choose this hill to die on for concussion because Tepai is one of the real legitimate cases where the club is trying to do the right thing by a young kid, you know, not just short term for the team, but long term for him. Did, did we go and take him off or did the doctor that sits there, independent doctor sit there? It's, it's club club doctors. And this is, this is a huge bone of contention is that teams are, you know, cheating the concussion protocol, but the NRL has no independent official or, or specialist to, um, to make calls on this. Well, who's the one that's watching it in the little tent? The the team's doctor. They have replay facilities for the team's doctors so they can determine whether someone needs to be taken off for testing based on the contact that was made um, in whichever incident. The NRL have introduced this policy of HIA assessments. Uh, They have done a report which says that club doctors um, are no way jeopardised by being paid by the club and that there's no need for an independent doctor. So you can um, take from that what you wish. No, that's... You know know what that is? That's to save them money, because if the NRL has to put independent doctors at every ground for every game, they're going to have to pay for it out of their own pocket. That's what that is. It's it's a cop-out. Now, why are we getting picked on again in the media when Payne Haas, in his first game for the Broncos, got knocked silly and could barely stand up, and he played again the next week? Shouldn't he have had that next week off? No one's pressuring the Broncos. I I will say in defense of the NRL and their report, I would imagine on a moral and legal standpoint, they're arguing an extension of the Hippocratic Oath for doctors as far as their professional employment with a certain club not influencing their decision to, you know, let something slide on the HIA or, you know, manipulate the HIA. So that that's where the NRL will be coming from. But yeah, it sort of does make you um, roll your eyes a little bit. And it, I mean, we've looked at the NRL doing a lot of cost cutting in recent years. You know, they've scrapped the MYC. They've rolled it back to, you know, a far more limited format. <laughs> They're looking to sell up certain clubs and whatnot. And so this probably is just an extension of that. You know, you, you should have an independent... If you're going to make this such an important part of the game, and it should be, because concussion is going to be, the, as I mentioned before, the biggest threat this game is facing, more than the AFL, more than, you know, A-League, more than anything. Concussion is the single biggest threat facing the NRL in the near future. You want to, um, you know, be having independent officials because, you know, as, as cynical as it sounds, it's another shield for the NRL. You know, if, if they've taken these preventative measures on a legal standby, uh, legal standpoint, when they end up getting sued or if they get sued, um, you know, they can look back and say, we, we've taken the right steps by the players. We did this, we did that. You know, there's there's the HIA uh, initiative, there's independent officials, you know, there's a man, there should be mandated time off after you have a certain amount of failed HIAs. Um, all that sort of stuff will be shields for the NRL if they end up instituting them. Yeah, shouldn't that be like, the NRL look at it like, hang on, I'd rather pay a doctor now, like pay, yeah, have the doctor that, that's, and then not get sued for like yep, that is 10 exactly times the amount. Like it's just, nah, they're, the NFL they're re- did it perfectly. You know, they came out, they sorted it's, it all out straight away. It's like, short, it's short-sighted. You're, you know, you're saving a penny now not to be sued, you know, down the, uh, to but see, it's, not, it's yeah, reactive. The NRL has always yeah, exactly, been reactive, yeah. not proactive. And the NRL by very definition, unfortunately, is a reactive code. They don't get in the front foot for a lot of things. 
And the last bit of news is the interview between Max Donnelly and Ray Hadley, um, where it came out that Max Donnelly said there wasn't a culture issue at the club that was later printed that there is a culture issue at the club from um, Paul Crawley. So, uh, again, in the news from the wrong reasons. How do you, like, you can't tell me that that is incompetence. That is, like, malign intent. Seriously. I, I, you, I, there is a saying, obviously, don't you know? Do not mistake malice for that which can be explained by incompetence and whatnot. That is malice. That is an agenda. That is Parramatta selling papers. The whole time now yeah, with yeah. the media, like um, Buzz Rothfield said it himself on NRL 360 a few weeks ago, that they can tell now who's reading what articles because of the online presence. They can tell where the clicks are going, and they know that yeah, negative articles get ten times more hits then positive articles. So that's why the headlines are made to read the way they are. So you'll click on that and go through. You know, you know, you can explain this. A good article about Parramatta attracts what? Parramatta fans. An article shitting on Parramatta will pique the interest of every NRL fan. You know, like, oh, what's Parramatta done again? Or why, you know, why have they fucked up this time? Sorry. Why have they messed up this time? <laughs> I'm sorry, Hamish. Um, and yeah, and it's simple mathematics in that regard, and it's unfortunate, and that's what you know the old media has you know evolved into, and it's why there are certain branches of new media that are doing well. But in saying that, the clickbait agenda is you know a strong you know strong core ethos of a lot of the new new age media, and it's really really unfortunate, and it's not fun reading for any club. You know, I don't like read. I take I take pleasure out of Manly being shit, but I don't like reading. You know, stupid articles about this aspect of it that you know is not important, and yet the the media feel compelled to pump out this trash because it gets quicks. And, you know, and it, if it gets quicks, unfortunately, there's a market for it, and they keep doing it. So I don't know what the answer there is, but yeah, I'm not a fan of Paul Craw- uh, Croy, you know, doing that. That just reeks of malign intent, and I'm not going to give incompetence, a, you know, a, a passing mark there. So we're left wondering if there's an AGM coming up uh, anytime soon or if Fitzy uh, needs some, some help in the, the press. Yeah, well, the, you mentioned that the, the timing was too good, isn't it? With um, That's the second article, uh, second attempt that Hadley's had in, in a few weeks to uh, sow the seeds of discontent amongst Parramatta with Brad yep. Arthur having apparently lost the changing room. And he says that that's first, still true. So. He still claims that Brad Arthur has lost the change, change the dressing room and it shows hang in on, the results. Had, hang on. There was something, someone posted something in the, the podcast, uh, Gem, that, uh, here we go, last night, this was on, um, I don't watch it because it's too late for me in my um, my early starts, that uh, on, uh, what's the Channel 9 show? Uh, the 100% one that feel, 100% footy. That uh, former 2GB host, Neil Breen, uh, dismissed Hadley's claims, that just it said the, the claims, on um, 100% footy, claiming Ray has, quote unquote, an axe to grind. With the eels, which certainly rings true, so it's interesting that um that one of his co-workers has come out and essentially rubbish the claims. So there you go. Okay, let's move on to the previews. Um, on Sunday, May twentieth at one p.m., went went he in second position, taking on Asquith in first position. Then in Ron Massey Cup, went he in fourth position, taking on Asquith in third position. 3pm ring rose, also on Sunday, the 20th of May. Then in the women's, it looks like we've got a bye, um, which will see the whole competition off for one week. Um, but when they return, it's Wenty and Bunnies on Sunday, the 27th um, of May at 11am. 
uh, flag returns. Then in the uh, flag, Mounties in 6th position, take on Eels in 7th position. Leichhardt Oval, 3pm, Saturday the 19th of May. Uh, then in the ISP, Mounties taking on Wenty on Saturday the 19th of May, also at um, sorry, also on Saturday, but at 11am at Henson Park. Um, Alright, I don't think Boogie and, and Ham are going to be able to get out to some of those, but we'll see. Um, so moving on to first grade, Eels taking on Warriors Friday 6pm at ANZ Stadium. Uh, for the team list, it'll see Eels with Clint Gutherson at fullback and captain. On the wings, French, George Jennings. In the centres, Jennings, uh, Michael and Brad Takarangi. In the halves, Norman Moses. In the forwards, Alvaro uh, Terrapo. In the hooker, King. Uh, Bo Scott, who is in some doubt. And Tepai Maroa in the second row. And Manumayu locking it all out. On the interchange, interchange bench, Will Smith, Sui Matangi, David Gower and Bertie's man, Marata Nia Kore is named at last. Nya Sibanya! Hakuna Marata! That's all I know. And there is some word out that Murata may uh, start in the second row position and take over Bo Scott's, uh, Bo Scott's starting role with CSI Vave maybe coming off the extended bench. Uh, saying that, the extended bench is Josh Hoffman, CSI Vave, Jamin Salmon and Raymond Stone. The, um, the, world, the world works in funny ways, doesn't it? He's waited all this time for his debut. You know, it's been a long and um, pretty, pretty arduous process for him, I dare say. You know, he's looked at our struggles and trying to get a crack. And when he finally gets his chance, who does he play against? The club that he played or his junior football for? Again, uh, for sorry. You know, he, Not to he mention, his... last week he uh, he put on Instagram that he's expecting a kid, so... Yeah, what a hell of a, week, hell of a week, isn't it? Yeah. So, congrats to the young guy. He's, he's definitely earned his dues here. He deserves his shot at first grade. And if he plays anything like he does for Wenty... He'll do, um, you know, a rock solid job for Parramatta. And his Jews and his spot. He's I'm glad pays, I had a hand in one bills. of them happening. And let's just say it's his debut, not the. And then in the Warriors team list, Roger Tuavasa Sheck at fullback. Although there is some word that he is in doubt as well. Uh, on the wings, David Fusi Tua and Ken Mamalo, Peter Hiku and Solomon Kata in the centres. Blake Green and Mason Lino in the halves with Johnson out. Uh, in the forwards, Bunty Afoa, Ignatius Parsi, Isaac Luke at the hooker, uh, Isaiah Papali and Tohu Harris starting at second row with Adam Blair at lock on the interchange bench. Jazz Tavaga, Chris Satai and James Gave and Simon. Mannering in the 17, in the reserve bench, Jared Beal, Carl Lawton, Abbott Vette and Anthony Gelling. And just some history on the uh, clashes, uh, 38 games played, 21 wins to Eels, 17 wins to Warriors. Uh, at ANZ, we've played one match there with the Eels winning last year. 2017 results, Warriors won 22-10 at Mount Spartan Stadium in round 6 last season. Eels won 32-24 at ANZ Stadium in round 13. Uh, on a points per game average, uh, Eels 14.6, Warriors 19.8 points conceded per game. Eels 22.6, Warriors 19. So not great reading there on these stats. Uh, so Ham has given me his predictions, which are 
uh, Cam King to score from dummy half. Um, he'll give it a crack about 10 times, and he, he doesn't have any other prediction from that. Uh, Birdie, moving on to you for your prediction for this week. Um, Parramatta going to win. Uh, 24-6. Uh, first try scorer will be uh, the King, Gufferson, and last try scorer, Murata. Murata, sorry. What am I saying? Murata. That's it, yeah. Uh, 40. Uh, okay. Uh, we've got we to get the bounce back win. It's not about common sense predictions anymore. It's about, you know, helping us get to the eight by sheer willpower of our predictions. Right, fellas? Parramatta going to win. i got Bevan for the first try scorer. He's going to get more than one. I don't know how many. Hopefully six. Um, we will win 28 to 10. There we go. Let's let's get a little bit outrageous. And PM? Jesus, tough. It's tough. It's tough, I tell you. It's really hard to predict at the moment. The Warriors got spanked last week, but before that, we're very, very good and had no problem scoring points. Us, on the other hand, are having problems scoring points. Our defense has improved the last few weeks. It's going to be a tight game. The Warriors do have a few injuries. I think we might be able to sneak home. It's going to be one of them arm wrestles, though. I think we're going to win the game 20 points to 16. I think on the back of... Clint Gutherson, I think after last week, he's embarrassing little mistake there late in the game. Yeah, fire in the belly. Yeah, he's going to be so fired up. He's going to get the whole team and drag him with him, and I think he'll he'll play a man of the match performance in in the win for us. And for mine, Eels to uh, to snap this uh, two-game losing streak and come back out strong against the Warriors. Warriors with a lot of players out, although we can't fall into that trap. We had something similar with the Sharks the other week. Um, and plus some of the off-field stuff, the the uh, reports about our culture being shit, and also uh, about Kenny Edwards' news. So I think the boys will come out and rally, um, and they usually do uh, turn up when things aren't going so great in the off-field. So it's it, we've got it narrowed down. It's either the siege mentality that we need due to off-field issues, or we have to somehow convince the entire playing group that it's the preseason so they can play really good football like we did against Newcastle. I don't know which one's the right solution, but they're, they're the, the two podcast solutions of the week. They've, they've still been gritty, gritty performers, and you know we, we really ran the cleanest for them after the first uh, quarter of play. So I don't know. And you know we, we're not just talking about a preseason game here as well. We've got 48 games of form across 2016 and 2017 with you know some really good football in there from Parramatta, and it's just gone you know awry. Well, we are so need to get our mojo. <sighs> To pull the the Austin Powers, Doctor Evil has extracted the mojo out of the Parramatta Eels, and uh, I don't know who's going to bring it back. If it's um, Simba, aka Murata, or if it's um, you know someone else is going to step up and help reclaim the uh, the magic juice. I don't know. We need something. We need someone. That's um, the be all end all at this stage. All right, we'll jump into plugs. Where can we find you, Birdie? Bevan Heaven One. I took down. Um, what do you call it? I changed my, t- my Twitter name from Given Murado Go back to Birdie now. So um, I've done my job. Now it's up to him to you know have a good, great career and yeah, hopefully it's a good uh, game Friday night against his uh, like old a, club. Like a mama hen seeing her chicks, you know, leave the uh, the the roost. Yeah, because uh, I, I, I just want to point out go. there. 
if he has a bad game, it's not my fault. All I wanted him was have a debut. That's it. <laughs> but Bertie, <laughs> we really you hope you don't get to wash your hands. <laughs> we really hope that when he gets to Dell M next year, that he actually thanks you up on the stage collecting the award. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I, exactly. Any positive, I'm taking it. You know, because I'm, you know, I'm pretty much made him relevant. If it wasn't for my tweets, right up, I probably didn't even know who he was. So yeah, I'm just glad he's uh, having a game. Yeah, humble, humble. That, yeah. That's that's not a humble brag. That's a brag, brag. <laughs> <laughs> and forty, where can we find you? Hey fellas, um, I'm forty twenty. I'm from the Cumberland Fro, where you can catch myself, Mitch, Sixties, and Chris, along with a few guest columnists like uh, Colin, uh, Nathan, and Shelley. Uh, you can also catch us on Twitter at EelsTCT. We do all things Parramatta, previews, reviews, opinion pieces. Um, I just unpacked the team list for Hakuna Murata edition. So obviously the aforementioned Murata near Kore makes his debut for the Eels. I uh, do some really dodgy, really dodgy Lion King puns. And there's also some um, breakdown on Murata on our Twitter account from earlier in the year if you want to catch up and understand who and what Murata is as a player. And on to you, PM. Uh, for your plug yeah you can, you can check out my website www.sportfirstnambucca.com.au we've got plenty of eels gear on there including the indigenous jersey we wore last week and the heritage jersey as well and you won't pay 170 bucks use a discount code parapodcast put that in at the checkout you'll get 10% off you'll pay 153 and it's free shipping as well so jump on there and have a look and you can catch me on twitter at paramatters all right, and you can catch um, us at Parapodcast on uh, at on Twitter and also forward slash Parapodcast on Facebook where um, all the episodes get uploaded. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Chuck in a review if you can. Apparently that boosts us up. I, I don't know how it all works, but um, review, rate, whatever you want to do. And um, we'll go from there. And I should also mention I'll be away next week. Um, I'm off on a one-week holiday overseas, so you'll be left in the capable hands of forty. That's it. No, well-earned break for Hamish for our um, our main man in charge of the podcast. Hope you have a great holiday there, champ. Smuggle, smuggle, awesome carver. Uh, what do they call it? You know? If you've never had carver, it doesn't really taste all that great. All it does is really numb your mouth. Um, to be honest. Yeah. Well, maybe <laughs> well, perfect drinking after Parramatta game. Now, 40, while the boss Oof. is away, the team will play. Yeah. We'll have some fun next week. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-oh. Oh, God. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Watch this. Dad, dad you know what? from the we're gonna have, to the end. We're going to have to change the name of it next week to the Para Puncast with 40 in charge, I think. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. PM's right in the ball here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that just about wrap us up. Um, so best of luck next week. Uh, best of luck this week. Hopefully all the boys and women in the blue and gold can get some wins. And um, I'll see you in a two weeks' time. Yep, see you on the pun. Yeah, enjoy oh. that trip, man. Well earned. See you on the puncast next nurses. week, the parapuncast. That's it. Catch you on the parapuncast next week, fellas. Bye.